A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing it can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, this is me being pretty ambitious. I'll tell you why. I've got about a two minute walk between the tube to my house and I'm using that as a time to speak to you before I get in. I'll tell you more about it. Right, so I've been away actually. Uh, it's now Sunday evening. And I left on Friday morning and I just spent the weekend in Paris with my mum, my brother and my sister. It was my brother Jackson and my sister Martha's present, Christmas present to my mum. We take her to Paris. So that's where we've been. It's been so much fun. Uh, sorry, stopping my wheelie bag's getting stuck. Um, yeah, we, we stayed in a really cool little Airbnb right in the heart of the Marais. So I've been very chic for the last few days. We saw lots of art, we walked a lot, we did quite a lot of shopping, we're good at that. Um, some nice wine, some lovely food. It was really fun actually and I'm not going to lie, it was quite good to be doing something else because last week was so full on with talking about my old friend aka Murder on Dance Floor. I don't feel sick. Last week when I spoke to you, I said I was feeling a bit sick with everything that's happening. Quite a British way. I've now settled in a little bit more. I don't feel quite as queasy. Still enjoying myself very much. Still lots of fun. Still thinking it's bonkers. I've used the word bonkers approximately a thousand times this week. But yeah, I've settled in. I'm just enjoying myself. Sorry about the noise in my wheels. Listen, I'm going to be brief because I'm about to go home and I've missed my babies. This week's guest is Amy Hart. She has a beautiful little baby called Stanley, who's one. I first uh, was introduced to Amy, maybe the same way you were if you watched Love Island. Richard and I love it. Amy was brilliant on the series that she was on. And since then, she's an interesting character, Amy, because she's surprising. She's the only Love Island contestant to have been on Question Time. She is politically savvy, left-wing, cool, um, happy. Uh, she and her chap recently got engaged and seen over the moon. But yeah, I was very curious to hear what it's like to be caught up in that experience being a reality show, in a reality show and what it's like the other side of it. And she's got some pretty wise takes on it all, actually. Anyway, um, I'm going to leave you with the conversation we have while I ring the doorbell and go and see all my babies. See you on the other side.
Amy, it's so lovely to meet you. It's so lovely to meet you too. Thank you for having me. Um, well, thank you for coming over. And I've got so many things I want to talk to you about, but I want to start with the here and now because you've had your baby boy Stanley. He was absolutely adorable. Yes, I have. He's seven months old now. I can't believe it. So how has life changed since you had him? Um, I. It feels like it's changed a lot, but also it feels like it has... Like, it feels like he's just sort of slotted in. Like, I have found the whole sort of transition quite... I don't want to say easy. I found the actual, like, act of child-rearing, I find quite, like, is my thing. Like, <laughs> you know, I've never really been good at anything, but I'm quite good at that. Um, but for me, it is the, it's the juggle. It's the trying to work out and trying to make better use of my time. And, um, yes. I, yes, I'm not very good at time management. And well, you need to be... Well, especially if you're working. Like, if I wasn't working, it would be fine. But trying to cram in on my work and looking after Stanley and running a house and stuff. Well, I guess as well, it takes a little minute sometimes to find your feet with that. Yeah. Um, plus, there isn't really a right or wrong way to do it. No. So, so when did you start working again after you had him then? So, he was born on the Friday morning, at three o'clock in the morning, and on Saturday night, one of the nurses came into my hospital room to check on the baby, and uh, NHS, by the way, absolutely amazing. They were coming in so I could sleep, and she was like... What are you doing? I was like, I'm just sorting out. I've got a giveaway on my Instagram. I just need to um, screenshot all the people that got the answer right. She's like, it's three o'clock in the morning. You had a baby yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I know. I've just, but I've got to do it right now. And she's like, I'm coming in to check on your baby so that you can go to sleep. Like, please go to sleep. And I was like, okay, one, like 10 more minutes and then I will. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was when I went back to work was the next, and it sort of just went from there. Obviously, I don't work all the time. I'm very lucky that I can sort of pick it up and put it down when I want to. But um, when your job is being you, there's not really much time off. <laughs> well, that's very well put, actually. And I think also if you're, if you're the one who's kind of, I always think of it as pushing the boulder. Basically, yes. you have to be your own cheerleader. Yes. Because I think probably what is similar for both of us about our work is that if we decided not to keep going mm -hmm. with what we do or what people know us for doing, people might go, oh, for a minute and then yeah. they'll kind of move on quite yeah. quick so there's lots of bits of it where you've got to be the one who picks up the load yeah. and just sort of runs to the next yeah. bit I have a lot of people that say to me well you could afford to take a year off like because when I say well you know there is no maternity leave well you can afford to take a year off so why don't you I'm like, I can afford to now but if I took a year off work there wouldn't be anything there when I came back like it's all about momentum and it's all about keeping it going and it's a very fickle industry, especially um, with influencing now. It's so, like, saturated. There's so many people. You've got to keep going. But I love my job, and um, I don't actually really see it as a job in that I used to be an air hostess, and people say to me, would you ever go back flying? Because I really miss it. And I always say, if I ever had to go back to work, that would be the job I'd want to do. So it's the fact that I don't... Like, my job is a job. And, you know, I always say, I pay my tax, pay my national insurance, and I have to work... But I always refer to my old job as if I had to go back to work because what I do is more of like a vocation. It's more fun. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally understand that because I guess when you're part of cabin crew, that's part of a big infrastructure and yeah. the whole shape and you're given your timetable and yeah. Your, yeah. your hours for the next week and all the people that yeah. are colleagues. And what you're doing now is much more self-motivated. Yeah. Um, but that being said... I get the impression from what you've told me already that you're quite good at finding opportunities for yourself and that sparked a lot in you. Yeah, so I'm very, like I always say, I've just been hustling for four years and I sort of, when I came out of Love Island, obviously it's like the sort of standard things that you do. So I had my like clothing edits with companies, which was amazing and that was like a real pinch me moment because it's companies that I bought from for years and years and years. And you sort of do, you're sort of box checking if that makes sense, like things that, things that you do when you come out of Love Island. But then I was like, okay, right, I want to do this. I want to do this sort of like life for as long as I can. So the way that I sort of did it was, and I, this is what I tell other people that come out of shows like Love Island, is I looked at my interests and my hobbies and things that I'm passionate about and then worked out how I could turn that into working for me so I'm passionate about travel so now I work with P&O Cruises and I work with James Villas and I work with other companies like that um and you know I love theatre so I work with London Theatre Direct and I'm working on a new theatre app and stuff so you know I try and sort of do it all to things that I love doing yeah and I think you've also got a bit of a social um 
you know, sort of political element yes. what you're doing as well. Socialist icon, not my words, the words of people on Twitter. But, um, <laughs> Happy to have them here. Yes, let's take it. No, I'm, basically, I that came from, um, during lockdown, I was doing a, a Zoom quiz. I was hosting a Zoom quiz every week. And it was like an hour long and um, got a message before saying, hi, Amy, um, any chance you could uh, do a little video just about like joining the importance of joining a union? So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So it's like a little 30 second video. Like, oh, when I worked at British Airways, obviously um, it's a big company. So it's really great to have a union because they know all your agreements inside out. Um, so definitely, you know, uh, join a union. Put it on Twitter, did my quiz, came back an hour later and it had gone crazy and everyone was like oh my god she's a socialist icon like I never thought that Amy Hart from Love Island would be telling me to join a union and stuff so yeah I think people will expect it and I'm the only Love Islander ever to go on question time that's awesome yeah that's I mean, really it was awesome horrendously nerve-wracking but um yeah I'm the only one that's done it so far I think that's spectacular actually because also it it's gives you you found yourself with a platform yeah. you know if you've got a million followers that's yeah. a lot of people engaged with you yeah and I think there's obviously sometimes been a misconception that to be a successful influencer it has to be quite uh inward looking yeah but actually to turn your gaze the other way yeah and be actively engaged with the people following and also what the lives they yeah. are having and to connect with your friends, to connect with the like your job you used to have yeah. and understand your role in all of yeah. it. It is, it is refreshing, but also really cool. Yeah. So I had some... Um, during lockdown, I was clearing out like everyone was and I had loads of like shampoos and random stuff. And I put it on Facebook and said, oh, you know, does anyone want these? And one of my friends from school says, oh, my mum actually runs the local food bank. Um could you take it down to her? And I was like, yeah, of course. I went in and started chatting to everyone. And they were like, you know, obviously we don't want to push anything on you, but obviously you've got a big following. Like, if you could help us out with anything. And I was like, I will, but on the proviso that I can come down and volunteer. I was like, because I'm not going to be preaching to everyone about, like, you know, donate to your local food bank, go and volunteer and stuff if I'm not doing it myself. And I end up volunteering there for every week for 18 months. And it was my favourite thing I did of the week. And it was really hard because I used to be like, I had another great morning at the food bank. I can't say that. Um, but it was just being there with, they're all mostly retired. Like none of them ever watched Love Island before. I used to go in in a tracksuit with no makeup on. And we just like, like just gossiping with each other and like finding out about each other's lives. We were packing all the bags and stuff. And it was like one of the best things I've ever done. And I still support them from sort of like a, um, like an outward, because then, sort of work came back and I couldn't commit to it anymore um and actually one of my aunties like one of mum's best friends aunties um she actually retired and she was looking for a volunteering position so I was like oh there you go you can take my shift (laughs) so I I passed that on to her um but I'm still ambassador for the food bank and I'm going to the labour conference this week and doing a panel about um like food banks in the UK and stuff yeah, I got to interview Keir Starmer, which, like, two years ago when I did that, was like, oh, yeah, I get to interview Keir Starmer, that's cool. And it's looking like he's going to be the Prime Minister next year. And it's yeah. like, actually, I sat down with him. I've got, like, selfies with him and stuff. That's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think, I mean, what you're doing is brilliant because that is the reality for so many people. Yeah. What's, what's something you learnt from your experience of the volunteering? Um, to... Well, volunteering, I would say, as a whole, I always thought, like, oh, you're working in a charity shop, whatever. Um, again, it's, like, very inward. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something else. But I made friends that I would never have made anywhere else um, and sort of got new experience and new viewpoints and stuff. So, obviously, I've got socialist values, but I've also got a Tory dad who's been in my ear um, the whole time. And there were certain things... I won't go into them because I don't want to, like, upset anyone or anything, but there were certain things that I would maybe say and someone would say but what if you turn that on its head and you thought that instead and I was like oh yeah like that is so you're so right you're so right and now it's completely changed my viewpoint and also um just having because obviously people that I was working with would be on the phones talking to the families that we were like the food neighbors that we were doing the bags for um just like learning more stats and sort of more real lived experiences. So then when people say to me, I don't know, it's the food bank because they all spend all their money on booze and fags. I literally have all the information there to really challenge their ideas. Yes, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And I think also, um, you know, it can feel very overwhelming with the amount of 
areas in life that need support yes. and assistance. And yeah. I think sometimes that thing of going, I don't give to charities because most of it ends up in a yeah. landfill. I don't give to charities because most of it goes on something else. Yeah. Is quite. A, it can be a way to like give yourself a little breather from yeah. having to get involved. Yeah. Because the, the actual nature of getting involved can be a little bit yeah. messy and can t- make you think more about yourself. Yeah. And probably what's get you what your Tory dad and, yeah. the, and the conversations and the debate you've yeah. had with him has given you is the ability to navigate those conversations beyond Twitter's yeah. you know feisty okay, yeah. binary nature because people that's like jumping into a sparring yeah. and nobody really yeah. wants to change their mind it's yeah. all about point scoring and also it's very like when you think of a food bank you think okay someone's lost their job and they can't afford to buy food so they go to the food bank but what my food bank is, they, they want a grant. So they use that money to hire someone to go around to every single family that we worked with and say to them, what is it, what is the what is the main factor why you need our services? So some people, I, I'd never even thought of this. Like, if you live in the middle of nowhere and all you've got is a really expensive corner shop and there's no bus route to get you to Aldi or to Lidl or to like a, a supermarket that has like better value products, then yeah, you're not going to have any money to buy food because you can't like what you can get in that shop you can get three times the amount at a bigger supermarket so to those people we were saying okay we can give you a food parcel or would you rather that we paid for a taxi to come and get you and take you to supermarkets you can choose your own it's all about dignity and that sort of yeah a lot of it takes takes away that people's choice and you know they get given the bag of food and you've got to be grateful for it and you know have that whereas this is you know gives them that opportunity to go and pick what they want and take that responsibility back yeah because there's shame around being the recipient of charity yeah for a lot of people some of those people their their families won't even know they've got themselves into that situation so i think that's a really good way of respecting individuals and their how they're feeling about all of that i don't want to like keep going about it but um i know during lockdown um actually the people that were willing to accept the help um went up because we were delivering the packages and apparently a lot of men, especially a lot of single dads, um, it was their time in the queue waiting where their mind would be going into overdrive. I can't, I can't believe I've let my kids down like this. I can't believe this. And they'd leave before they got to the front of the queue because they couldn't deal with it. Wow. Well, that's amazing. You've got so much insight into that. Yeah. And I wonder as well, like, it's interesting because obviously you're... Your journey into something like Love Island, which has now given you this ability yeah. to use that knowledge. And I suppose for for some of the kids that go on that show, they haven't really had that much life experience like that. Yeah, I always say this. I say, I'm so glad I did it when I did it. Mm. Because especially like when you have when you come out of Love Island, especially, it's it's a full-time job. Just those, those first sort of few weeks of going, you know, radio, podcast, TV, radio, podcast, TV. And being cabin crew, so getting up at all hours of the morning, um, even when you're knackered, having to still put on a sort of persona and being able to talk to people and being able to eat on the go. All that sort of trained me so well for those sort of first couple of weeks after Love Island. God, yeah, what a boot camp. Um, So, yeah, because I remember seeing one of my friends from Love Island in the green room at a TV studio. She was like, I've literally only had six hours sleep. I'm so tired. And I was like, (laughs) you're fine. (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, (laughs) I mean, I suppose, yeah, it's it's interesting because I think what you had to... Exp- I mean, firstly, what's clear in spades is your work ethic. I mean, wh- wh- even, you know, going back into... Even going on yeah. your channel and doing yeah. the giveaway when you've yeah. just had a baby and you've got a very newborn yeah. son. Where does this work ethic come from? Were your parents both working when you were small? And- yes, my parents both working and... Um, my mum went back to work when I was a baby and I used to have two days with my nanny and two days with my granny. Um, so I was so close to both of them. And my I think actually my grandpa, my granddad is 77. He's had a triple heart bypass and stents and he is still, he has a haulage contractor's company and he still works every single day. Wow. 77 years old, up on the lorry every day. Um, and he is, I think now it's got to the point where he can't give up because it's like, if he'd retired when he was 55, then he could go and enjoy his life. Whereas now he's 77. As soon as he retires, it's like, well, what's next? Um, So I think my nan is very, you know, she decided she wanted an automatic washing machine when her kids were younger and she knew that they couldn't afford one. So she got a job one night a week in a nursing home working overnight to save up to buy it. Wow. Um, Because that's what she wanted. So she knew that if she had to go and get it, 
that's what she had to do. Uh, my parents started their own business uh, 20 years ago next year. Um, one of my dad's friends lent him 35 grand to start it and said, if it works out, pay me back. If it doesn't, we won't talk about it again. And he managed to pay it back within a year. Wow. Um, they're actually funeral directors, <laughs> randomly. Um, but they, and you know, my mum, again, everyone everyone refers to it sort of in Worthing as like my dad's business or your dad's business. But it was my mum who kept her old job on for the first six months, nine months, I think she did, because um, just in case it all went wrong. So she used to go and work and she had to learn how to run a business, basically. She used to do like data entry filing, right. uh, an insurance company. She had to learn how to run a business. Right, so she was doing she, the admin yeah, side of things. And she would drop us off at school, go and work nine till sort of half past two at my dad's, come home, sort us out, and then go and work six till ten um, at the at the insurance company. So everyone refers to it as my dad's company, my dad's company, my dad's company. I'm like, actually, it was anyone's company, really. It's my dad's name above the door, but it is my mum's hard work that's done it. So I think, yeah, from them. That's in- so I've, I mean, I've got so many things I want to talk to you about. I'm really interested now about the fact. So when you're ten, your parents open this funeral director's yes. business. What did you think about that at the age of 10? That's quite an unusual well, thing for you. because my dad's always done it. <laughs> okay, okay. So whenever I go into a florist, it brings back memories of... Because so, my mum used to work evenings as mm-hmm. well. So if my dad had to go in for the company he used to work for to do like chapel visits and stuff, he'd have to take us with him, with him and chuck us upstairs in the office while he looked after the family downstairs. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's always been in my life. And does it give you a better relationship with death? Yes, I am, well, yes, up until seven months ago when I had Stanley, that has changed a lot since I had a baby because I think I never thought I was going to get old. I thought I, I thought I was going to be in my 20s forever and now I've got a baby and it's like hurtling. And you're 30. Hurtling, I know. <laughs> and and I, now I'm like, oh my God, one day we're going to be nanny and granddad. We're going to be top of the pyramid. Um, but yeah, so it has. I'm very, um, very blasé about death. But again, it's because it's been talked about in our house like so me and my family will be on our family group chat doing like what songs do you want at your funeral and like listing them and my mum's <laughs> like will you all stop and Sam's like my brother would you have known any of those if I hadn't just told you and mum's like to be fair no <laughs> <laughs> just for interest what's a song you want at your funeral um, what did I want I love thank you for the music and oh, since yeah. I've decided that I want it because I thought um, it's quite like a poignant song about like life yeah. and since <laughs> since hearing that can't hear it without crying now um, and uh <laughs> Also, the other one is, um, so Never Forget by Take That. Awesome song. Right, so my friend was getting married years ago and she kept saying, my first dance is this, the second song is Footloose and the last song has got to be Never Forget. And I kept saying, why are you so obsessed with the last song? And she said, because since I was a little girl, I've planned my dream wedding and at the, at the end of that song, my wedding will be over and then it'll all be someone else's dream. <laughs> right, I now live my life by that quote, someday this will all be someone else's dream. In 20 years' time, there's going to be new reality shows and there'll be new... Like, 20 years ago, people that came out of Big Brother were doing what I'm doing. And in 20 years' time, other people will be living my dream life and having a little baby. Like, when you know when, like, you see old people in the street and they're like, I remember my babies were this big and now they're 50. And I think, I'm so lucky to be raising this amazing little boy. But one day... I'm still going to cry. Uh, one day, he'll be 50 and I'll be 80 and that will be, it'll be, there'll be new people that are having little babies. So I literally live my life by that quote now, so I want that at my funeral as well. Okay, yeah, well, I, I think that's, I mean, that philosophy is obviously like, I can totally see that, but it's unusual to be thinking all that at, at 30 with your new baby, and it's quite extraordinary to have yeah. that perspective, I think. Um, again, I think, like I said, I never thought I was going to get old, and now suddenly, have you watched the Barbie film? Yeah. You know, like her impending thoughts of death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. That's me. <laughs> You're impending thoughts of death, Barbie. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> since having a baby. <laughs> um, because, like I say, I I always thought I was going to be on the bottom rung of the family pyramid. Uh, nanny and granddad at the top, then mum and dad, and then us. And I always thought, and now I've I've gone up a rung. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh dear. And, you know, I've I've always been so scared about something happening to my grandparents. And then people saying to me, oh, you're so lucky that your parents were around for... Stanley being around and I'm like oh yeah I am you're right and it's just it's when we think about it and and just things like I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about their great auntie who was in a nursing home and they said yeah no she was blind all they did was put her in a chair and then that night 
can't sleep and I'm like oh my god what if one day I'm blind and all they do is put me in a in a chair <laughs> listening to never forget over yeah. and over I bet you didn't expect any of this when you had me in today did you <laughs> um I don't know what I expected Amy yeah. I think I was impressed by you actually and I think you know you're going on question time and yeah. those things are part of the changing face yeah of rea- the, you know coming from Love Island because I think this happens with every reality show and you mentioned Big Brother and yeah. I think you know we have the bit where it's new and then and then it kind of becomes part of something where actually the contestants are not um, it's it's uh, it becomes part of the common knowledge that some of these people will rise and continue to have careers yeah. outside of it. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, I do want to pick up on as well when you said about your work in cabin crew with the yeah. hours and things. That must have also prepped you a little bit for having a new baby too. Yes. <laughs> I, well, I've always been like a really bad sleeper. Um, I've always been... My mum used to have to... She'd be like cooking. Uh, when I was probably like in like year three or four um, at school, she'd be cooking and she'd keep having to come out into the lounge. She'd be like, wake up, wake up, because you're not going to sleep tonight. Um, because I literally was nocturnal. So I'd come home from school. But now, actually, I found out recently that I'm, like, severely, severely deficient in B12. And I said, Uh see, I wasn't lazy. I was just deficient in B12. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to come home from school and fall asleep on the sofa. And then I'd be up all night. And I've always been like that. So being crew, again, like, I always used to say tiredness is a choice. Because some days I'd land back in the morning from long haul, so I'd been up for like 28 hours. Some days I'd just about make it from the car up to my bed. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to the races or was going to London to see a show, I'd have to choose not to be tired. <laughs> okay, child is a choice. I get that. For, but no, no, for, for me, like, for I was saying, like after, <laughs> after a long haul flight, when I've been up for 28 hours, it's like, like nine times out of ten, I'd go home and sleep all day. If my friends were going to Goodwood for the day or my friends were going to see the last matinee of a show that we absolutely love in London, mm-hmm. I'm not going to miss out on that. So you'd be there a little bit deranged. So full fat coke on the way home. Crying <laughs> about yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> um, and I think also the thing I was... Um, I, I have complete respect for Cabin Crew. I think any job that has to deal with members of the public yes. is challenging. Yes. I bet you've seen some sights. I have, indeed. I had one woman once um, demanding an upgrade, and I was like, no, you can't say... And do you know what? Had it have been... 
It's really bad. I can say this now because I don't work there anymore. Um, basically, there was in business class, there used to be the front cabin and then the back cabin of business class. And the back cabin's got like 16, 24 seats, I think. It's like a little cabin. And we were on quite a long shuttle in the Caribbean over to Pro- Providenciales, which was like two hours each way. And there was literally, all you gave out was like a little juice couplet. So I used to say, as a cab manager, okay, half of us work on the way out, half of us work on the way home. Easy, right? So... The back of the club was empty, so I was like, perfect, we can sit in there, watch telly, lovely. This lady's like, can I sit in here? I was like, oh no, sorry, like, you can't sit in there. Um, and she kept on, on, and had it been any other shuttle, I'd probably been like, yeah, no, it's fine. But because we could sit in there, I was like, yeah, no, sorry. Like, you closed. And also, you haven't paid for it, you've paid for sure. a World Traveller Plus seat, so you sit Cheeky there. Cheeky for asking. Anyway, she wouldn't stop, and she kept coming, like, she kept bounding up to the front galley to shout at me again. And um, she's like, you know, you're a job's worth, you're this. I said, yes, madam, and you are a World Traveller Plus passenger and you need to go and sit back down there. Um, and then, because it became a bit of a battle, I was like, I'm going to win this. Um, so again, I was sat down in the cabin talking to another passenger because um, I was very, that kind of cabin manager, like I'd sit down on like an empty seat to be like, so how was your holiday? <laughs> I can picture And it. I saw her... Um, <laughs> fly up the other aisle and I was like is it me you want to talk to (laughs) yes and I go I want your name I said you can have my name and my staff number I was like just it's really easy for them to find so I literally like ripped a a sticker off the canister and wrote Amy Hart and my staff number I was like there you go I was like would you like the email address you need to send it to I was like yeah I thought there you go I was like you email them and tell them I wouldn't give you a free upgrade I was like put my staff number in it as well so they can find me really easily no wonder you find child rearing okay. But then... <laughs> You've had to deal then, with all these yeah, adults that are kids. But then on the flip side, I was also a very naughty CSAM because I'd be like, do you like that wine, madam? Would you like a bottle to take off for your holiday? Oh, that's my favourite kind of go. cabin crew. Um, and, I always used to, and people used to say, are you allowed to do that? I was like, it's my aircraft, I can do what I like. Um, <laughs> I'm so disappointed you're not still flying. I, I make sure I'm on all your flights. <laughs> I literally used to... I used to... Like, one, one year I did a run of like... Friday night Malaga's, so I had all, like, the commuters, so all, like, the gold card holders. So by, like, the third one, they'd have, like, we didn't do boarding drinks on short haul, but I looked on the passenger list, knew all their names, so when they got on, they had their drinks on their seats already. Wow. Yeah. So what made you take the plunge and do something totally different? Um, And nobody ever believes me when I say this, but believe me when I say I literally wanted to find a boyfriend and I couldn't find one and nobody matched my energy and nobody was as, like, zingy as me. I feel like I've lost a bit of my zing since having a lot of therapy because I think I'm more chilled in myself now (laughs) before I was always putting on a show. Um, But nobody was, like, as zingy as me. And I thought... I'd I'd never watched Love Island before and I watched Series 4 because everyone used to talk about it on the plane. And I used to be like, I don't watch it, I don't watch it. And someone said, like, look, you're going to have to talk about it for the next eight weeks. You might as well watch it. <laughs> so I took my iPad to the gym and watched the first episode on the cross trainer. And the first episode finished. And I was like, when is the next one? Like, how, like, can I watch it? Is there, like, a first look? Like, can I watch any more? Um, and I absolutely loved it. I never missed an episode. I was obsessed. And then when it was like, you know, do you want to apply? Like, applications for next year are open. I was like, oh. I think I do because there were so many couples in that last sort of last chunk that would never have met anywhere else and looked seemingly happy. Obviously, none of them are together now, but um, <laughs> I believed in love. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I could go on and meet like someone that I'm never going to meet anywhere else mm-hmm. there. Um, and I'd never really believed in manifesting or anything. And I'm not sure that it was manifesting, but I never said I would like to go on Love Island. I never said I'm going to apply for Love Island. I said, I'm going to go on Love Island. I was like, I'm going to go on Love Island next year. And everyone's like, well, you're going to apply. I was like, no, I'm going to go on it. Well, as I understand it, out of 130,000 applicants, yes. so you're one of the 35 selected, yes. which is an astonishing yeah. statistic, yeah. you know? Um, and I suppose for you now, looking back to that time, must feel like a different world, really. I mean, life cha- people have a few life-changing events. And I guess probably, I don't know, starting work with BA would maybe yeah. be one of them. Yeah. Finding out you're going to do Love Island and then meeting your boyfriend and having your baby. So from where you are now, what how do you feel about looking back to that time when that was you're about to suddenly put yourself on this different platform? Um, I remember, so I was really excited and I couldn't tell anyone. And the problem is I'd been sent to front, I'm gonna be on Love Island, I'm gonna be on Love Island. And then when I got my final call back, um, Lewis, one of the producers, said to me on the phone, um, and you can't tell anyone. And I thought 
I've already told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep secrets so either. I had to put, <laughs> I put some like um, quote pictures on Instagram and Facebook, like sad quotes about some things just aren't for you. And everyone was like, what's wrong? I was like, I didn't get Love Island. Um, Very good. Yeah. And then um, I had to tell everyone, yeah, I didn't get it. And it's really embarrassing because people that like hated me um, were like, oh, how's Love Island going? And I was like, oh, I didn't get it. And they were like, mm-hmm. um, and I was thinking, I actually have got it. Um, so That's a nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember the last gym, I was going on the Saturday. Actually, no, I'll go back one. So your, your flight isn't confirmed um, for a while. So I'd known for sort of six weeks, but your flight isn't confirmed. And Tuesday night, I pulled into the gym car park. And like, I used to be able to run for like four minutes at a time and then have to walk for a bit and then run a bit more. And uh, I pulled into the gym car park on Tuesday night and I got a text saying, hi, Amy, just to let you know, your flight's been confirmed for Saturday lunchtime. And I was like... Oh, okay. Um, and I ran for an hour without stopping. Like adrenaline. Wow, <laughs> just, just fizzing. Adrenaline. Ran for an hour without stopping. Um, and then the Friday was my last gym session. And we used to start my leg session with um, jumping on the box. And I used to be able to do 10, fine. We got to number 23 of me going on my knees because I, I couldn't do it. And my trainer said, do you want to try something else? I was like, yeah, okay. So I tried something else. And then I just burst into tears in the... And I said, the thing is, my life's going to change tomorrow and I don't know how it's going to change. It could change in a really good way or it could I could come back a national hate figure. Um, and there's, <laughs> there's no in-between. Um, so I, I just... I, I'm so scared. And But... They said to us, you know, if it gets leaked, you don't get to go. Mm. If it gets leaked, you don't get to go. Um, so I was so, like, like stressed. And I, I'm not an early riser. And I was waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning every morning um, with, like, oh, my God, is it going to get leaked? And then it got leaked on the Friday night. And I was driving along. Um, and I just said goodbye to my best friend. And I was driving along. My phone was on the seat. And I, could, I saw it flash. I saw it flash again and flash again and again and again and again and again. So I pulled over and I got my phone and it was, I knew it, I knew it. And I literally just, and I was trying to delete my Facebook and I couldn't delete my Facebook because people were posting on my wall, like just in about Love Island. And I don't know what I thought deleting my Facebook was going to do when it was in the sun. Um, but um, And I called one of the producers in tears. I was like, am I still allowed to go? And they were like, yes, it's fine. They'll see you tomorrow. And that was the first good night's sleep I had for the previous six weeks because once that that was the worst thing that could have happened and mm-hmm. it happened and it wasn't that bad it's a lot of pressure to put you under to be fair to say it was not going to leak because actually the news always gets out somewhere and it's most likely not from you actually I know yeah I don't know how yeah those stories are always big and it's interesting as well that you had already had the sort of self-awareness of like my life is about to change in one way or another and I'm not quite sure which way there's it's a weird feeling. Yeah. You know you're going to do it. You're running along into something and you're just I remember, like... I was driving on the home. Precipice a bit. I was going to the gym every single night um, and I was driving home one night um, and like the town was empty. Um, and I was driving through and I've, I've lived in Worthing my whole life. I still live there now. I remember I was just driving through and I drove through like where I've grown up and I was a bit like, I'm going to be away from here for five weeks. That's a lot... Well, up to eight weeks. Mm. And that's the longest I would have ever have been away. Like the longest I've been away from Worthing was two weeks. Um, and I was like, this is the longest I'm ever going to be away. And when I come back, things will have changed. And I remember that was a really weird feeling as well. Yeah, it's like sort of stepping outside of your life a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, look, you know, disclosure, Richard and I have watched so much Love Island. <laughs> like we've given over, if we add it all up, it's probably like a couple of months worth mm-hmm. of our life to watching Love Island. When you jump into it, yeah. it's a big commitment. Yeah. You know, it's you know every night I don't understand why people think that's a bad I know you're not saying it's a bad thing but no, I'm quite like, happy about people it people are so proud they've never watched an episode of Love Island yeah they're missing I'm, out and I'm like I mean it's one of the greatest shows of t- on television like the yeah. way that it's filmed the way that um, like it's so easy to follow and it's like yeah. it's just it's just great and it's like I've I've just got really back into EastEnders yeah, yeah. so I'm literally obsessed like, yeah I've seen that on your Twitter yeah. there's a lot of EastEnders I'm chat I'm literally obsessed <laughs> um, like I'm part of the Twitter fandom now <laughs> and again when I say to people do you watch EastEnders and they're like no I never watch any soaps I'm like why it's the box set that never ends yeah and also like, there's <laughs> credit where credit's due Particularly with, yes, and with any show, I mean, obviously with EastEnders, they're dealing with drama, but with reality shows, what I love is the craft of creating those shapes and that narrative. Yeah. I think it's genius. And with Love Island, they've got to turn it around quick. Yeah. It's really impressive. And it can change. And I love how, um, you know, it's all about timing, isn't it? They say, like, you can die a hero or live to be a villain, and that is so true with Love Island because it's all about timing. When I left... 
we'd been up for a, uh, up for dumping the night before. Um, if we'd gone home that night, I wouldn't still be working now. Like, I don't think. Um, I, I, well, I'd be working, obviously, but not doing this. Um, if we'd gone home that night, it would have been like, oh, yeah, she was well annoying. Like, all she did was cry. She's so horrible. But then my leaving, and I didn't know it at the time because I literally just left. And I, obviously, I didn't know that there was going to be the sad music behind my leaving speech. <laughs> um, I'm just very dramatic. Um, and leaving then would have... Like, that was, like, the best thing for me. Because if I'd stayed, I would have just turned into a really horrible, jealous person. Um, and, again, it would have been horrible. So it's it's all about timing. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I understand why you would say, oh, things would have been... I think things might have felt different to you. But, obviously, yeah. firstly, you were doing what worked for you. But, secondly, mm. I very much doubt you would have just gone away. Because so much of what you're doing now is about yeah. opportunities you create. Yeah. Um, can I ask a really superficial question before we go on to talk a bit more about Stanley? Um, why did the Love Island never have any mosquito bites? It's a question Richard and I, I ask each other all the time because we we get loads of those big, you know, horrible, like, yeah. 26 bumps yeah, on I each just, leg. Yeah, I just had that in Spain a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so but, why, um, not love, why is everybody why do mosquito not free? Love Island? What are they I doing to mosquitoes? I think it's because we're so high up. Ah, that's it, I'm not, I'm not holidaying high enough up. <laughs> no, because it's like right on top of... Like, we were next to like a farm with like cornfields. The fact that even people that had never had hay fever in their life, we were all on double dose, morning and evening, of really, really strong antihistamine. Right. Like, at one point, Callum like, couldn't see because he'd rubbed his eyes so oh, much. That's but yeah, no, no mozzies. Well, it's an impressive... That, that is as impressive as a lot of the other stuff that goes on in yeah. love. <laughs> thank you for asking my fan question. But I've never been asked that question, so thank you for asking it. I, I thought you were going to say, why do we never see you eat? That's what I always get. No, I realise, because it's not very exciting yeah, no, to see exactly. people eat. Yeah. <laughs> I can work that one out a bit like, they, they leave out so much good stuff. They put eating and they don't have to leave out any more good no. stuff. Now we see them eat, just yeah. to reassure everybody <laughs> that there are meal times in the villa. Um... So I, I don't need to ask you if you always wanted to be a mum because I know that that's yes. the case. In fact, do you remember talking about a baby called Lola? Do you remember who Lola was? Because I listened to an interview you did and it turned out to be published the month before you would have met Sam. Ah. Oh. And you're talking about how you envisaged yourself having a baby, just one, yeah. a little girl called Lola. Yes, and Sam kiboshed the name Lola as soon as I had, <laughs> as soon as we met. Um, yes, because I said um, when I was going to have a baby on my own. Yeah. Yes. Um, and now I'm like, I want ten. Really? Um, yeah. It's given you an appetite for well, no, large I, families. I, no, I only um, I like even numbers. So. Um, because I'm big in my, into my theme parks. So I always oh, said yes. just, like, one... If I was going to have a baby on my own, I'd just have to have one, because, obviously, like, how would I, how would I manoeuvre that with, like, Disney So you're and thinking stuff. of the rides which you yeah. do in pairs? Yeah. Because sometimes you're, like, five yeah. along. Yeah, I mean, um, I know you all love Tower of Terror, which yeah. is my, yeah. also my favourite yes. ride in the whole world. Yes. You can fit, like... Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, 24 in yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep going. I can be like, there's an American family that I follow, and they've got 16 children. What?! Nine adopted, five, uh, seven biological. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a lot of um, people. But yeah, so yeah. So what podcast was that on? Or what interview was that? Was that on that was... Freezing Time? So I listened to a few. Um, it might have been the what you did one with Grazia that I listened to, and you also did one called The Law of Attraction. Yeah, Changed My Life, yes. I think it's so that Francesca one. So Francesca Amber, actually, she, I, she mentioned me in her podcast last week, because I still listen to it now, and she was saying about, you know, trust the timing of your life, and she was talking about how she gives out advice and doesn't take it. So, you know, I told Amy Hart to make more space in her life, and then she'd meet a boyfriend. She made more space in her life, then she met a boyfriend, she She's like, have I done that? No. <laughs> she's like, she's had a baby. She's engaged. That's impressive. I know mean, you were talking, but you had real clarity and you obviously had, I mean, it's quite young to have already thought about how you would make strides into motherhood. Yeah. But I think it might have been around the time that you were looking into your fertility. Yes. And you'd had a blood test, which indicated yeah. that your egg reserves were on the lower side yes. of average. Yeah. Which is a, a standard blood test that yeah. any woman might do at any yeah. point if she just wants to work out kind of where things are at. Yeah. So they told me my AMH was eight. And I was like, oh, eight out of ten, lovely. No, no, six to 20 is the scale. <laughs> and uh, mine was eight. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, my mum had always um, said, like, you know, even if you didn't meet someone, I'd always want you to be mum. So, um, you know, I'd totally support you. And, I mean, even though I have met someone who had a baby now, she does still support me. She is my main supporter. <laughs> Obviously, she's mine and Sam's main supporter. Mm -hmm. We are. We're very much together on that. But um, he always says, we've just been a holiday with mum and dad. 
And when they left, he was like, oh, my God, your mum and dad do so much for us. That's like, brilliant. And this is the thing. We always say we want two or four kids. And Sam said after they went home, actually, he was like, I don't know how fair it is on your mum and dad for us to have four kids. I was like, I mean, we could get a nanny or something. Like, don't always <laughs> There's a factor them into everything. Yeah, literally. He's like, because we're like, oh, we're getting ready to go out. Dad, you're ready? Here's Stanley. Like, mm-hmm. my mum, like, Stanley, if, the first morning we were on holiday, um, he woke up, like, early before he'd got himself into his nice holiday routine of going to bed at midnight and waking up at 10am. Um, wow. Yeah, huh? Because he comes out for dinner with us, sits in the high chair, has his dinner at nine o'clock. He loves it. I love that he's a liar. Uh, yeah. Not all babies do, no. though, by the way. Um, this no matter morning, how late they go to no, bed. this morning I was supposed to drop him to my mum's um, and I had to phone her and be like, hi, I need to leave. And he's still asleep, so can you... Sam's here, but can you come... Sam's got a meeting at nine, so can you come for, like, five to nine? She's like, yeah. And I phoned her at half nine. She's like, I'm just sat in your bed, Stanley's still asleep. <laughs> um, but Dream baby. Yeah. So, like, he'd wake up at maybe, like, half seven, um, and my mum would come out of her and be like, I've been up for an hour, so give him to me, you go back to bed. And I'd be like, oh, thank you. Awesome. So, yeah, so she was always like, I would never want you to miss out, so I would always support you um, in having a baby on your own. So that was why I was so... Because I... And, again, that is recognising privilege, I would say, um, in that financially I had the support to do it. My mum and dad paid for my first round of egg freezing because they're like, grandchildren. Um, And, you know, the fact that my mum is able to do my childcare and the fact that I could have, if I'd had a baby on my own, I would have just moved back into my mum and dad's house. It would have been fine. Um, Because I didn't really think about how lucky I was with all those things because in our family grandparents have always done the childcare. So, mm-hmm. like I say, my grandparents did all our childcare. Now my mum and dad are doing all mine. Um, and I forget that that's not everyone's situation. And so when people are like, oh, you know, I haven't met anyone, I'm 35, and I'm like, just have one on your own. And they're like... And I, I now realise that it's not as easy as just having one on your own. It's not, but I do think... I remember one of my girlfriends when we were about 37... She was like, oh, I'm single and I really want to have a baby. And I was mm. like, look, it might be worth just thinking if it hasn't happened by a certain point, yeah. you might investigate some other ways because there's yeah. lots of ways to have a family. Yeah. And, you know, you've got your first choice, which is probably yeah. falling in love with someone. Yeah. Um, but then there's loads of other ways in between. So yeah. it's just about thinking it through. But I suppose for you, with the when you'd had the blood test results yeah. and you're freezing your eggs, that's unusual to have, had, to have that sort of um, worry that you know, you might not be have as long as yeah. as an average woman might yeah. have with their fertility. And that sometimes can put a bit of pressure on an early yeah. relationship. Yeah, I mean, it did... Sam always says now, um, he's like, when I first met you, he was like, you were a lot. He's like, <laughs> and you are a lot. He's like, but now I've got to know you more. I understand. So Sam's quite indecisive. And so... The thing that does the most that annoys me, love you if you're listening, um, the thing that does the most that annoys me is I'll say, shall we do this? And he goes, could do. Uh, I'm like, oh, are we going to do it or are we not? Like, all right. Is it, is it a yes or is it no? We've actually been quite good for each other because I am, do it now, or worry about it later. What's the worst that's going to happen? Just do it, just buy it, just like order it, whatever. Let's just book the holiday, whatever. Sam is like, we need to weigh up the pros and the cons and the risks and the rewards. And then we need to sleep on it for three weeks. And then we need to decide. (laughs) So we've sort of met in the middle Mm -hmm. with that. But when we first met, I was a bit like, if this isn't going anywhere, like, don't waste my time, basically. Um, And he says now, like, if when I first met him, I'd said, I want to be engaged with the baby within two and a half years, he'd have been like, whoa. But he's like, but it has actually all been absolute perfect timing and I feel like we are like exactly where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And I guess if he's, you know, that's what happens in relationships and that you sort of learn a bit from each other as yeah. well. If he's taken the plunge with a couple of things and it's turned out okay, yeah. that might give him a bit more of yeah. that. But also with you, you said, you know, you feel like... So you lost a bit of your zing, but maybe it's you found your... Yeah. Oh, I was going to say found your zen. That's very yeah. cheesy. But, you know, like, sometimes things temper, yeah. don't they? Well, it's like when I say about my zing, so um, with, when I have my therapy after Love Island, um, so it's like an aftercare thing from ITV, and it's absolutely amazing. And I had my therapist that I had in the villa, so she knew me inside out anyway. Um, before Love Island, I would always be wearing some ridiculous outfit. I'd always have big hair extensions, like, you know, I'd 
everyone will always be like, what is she wearing today, type thing. And now I don't feel like I need to do that. I do like to still wear, I suppose I feel like my clothes are a bit boring now because I feel like my core beliefs, which um, they say should be called core fears because they're not true, were I was unlikable, I wasn't good enough, I was ugly, and I can't remember the fourth one, which is really good because obviously it's not in my head at all now. Yeah, that is good. Um, but So they were... Those are my sort of core beliefs. Well, so that's the voice in you, yeah. just telling you these things over and over. So yeah. you're, you're almost your own critic yeah. sitting there watching you. So um, I would put 150% into every single friendship that I had, mm-hmm. apart from my very, very, very best friends that were like over the threshold. So I'm like, right, you're, you're in the safe zone. <laughs> I know you like me, so I don't need to put 150%, which is really bad. Um, but so I would, you know, and... I would always like want to be sort of like standing out and you know mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as I had all that therapy and I realized that no actually I'm a good person and my friends do like me for me and you know I'm not ugly and I am good enough then it sort of like brings you like you say it brings you back down to your zen and mm-hmm. I'm now a bit more chilled about everything yeah I'm sorry you had that voice in your head because I think that's very hard to well mm. it sounds brilliant that your therapist managed to help you with it but I think so many of us walk around with that yes yeah. and I know I've had I had that yeah. exactly I mean I've Every show I do, I could, you know, I don't do this to myself now because I've yeah. grown out of it a lot and found, probably been on a similar thing, not so yeah. much with therapy, but probably through my friends and talking yeah. with people. But I could do a review for you of most stuff I've done and it would be scathing. You know, yeah. I can give myself like a one-star review yeah. for everything and pick up on some really key points yeah. of exactly where I'd scuppered it. So I think... Um, we can be really hard on ourselves. Yes. But, and then it's an unusual thing. I mean, did you know that about yourself before you did Love Island? Or no. was that these things you discovered? And I am nosy. I am nosy by, by design. And being <laughs> nosy about yourself is the best thing ever. So with, I did CBT, so I had this big, like, chart. And we filled, like, different bits in every week. And you sort of learn about, like, things that have happened to you when you're younger. Like, just things that people might have said to you at school mm. then affect you when you're older. Yeah. And... It was like, it's like pulling the rug away. And like, you learn it. And, you know, I'm trying to get all my friends to do it. I'm like, you need to go to therapy. I'm like, now I understand why all Americans have a therapist. Like, yeah. yeah, and I think it's much easier to remember criticism than praise. Yeah. And if someone, if you've got, you know, nine people that say something positive and one says something negative, yeah. you'll be like, that's probably the voice I should yeah. be listening to. Which I don't know why yeah. we give no. criticism such credit like that. Yes. Similarly, when people see you do well on something, a big show like Love Island, yeah. that loads of people watching, people think they're being the clever person if they're the one that gives you the nasty comment because yeah. they think everybody else is telling you the good mm. stuff. Yeah. And that if they say, oh, that wasn't great when you did yeah. that, you're going to go, oh, you're someone being honest with me. Thank yeah. you. I need you in my life because you're mm-hmm. giving me an honest view and everybody else is just saying the nice stuff. Yeah. But actually, it's like a no. power dynamic, yeah. you know? It's cruel. Yeah. It's not kind. No. And it's good that you know, you can shrug all that off. And that will help you as well with Stanley and helping him with how he feels about himself and how he tunes into the voices. I literally, again, I sat up at night sometimes thinking, what happens if Stanley gets bullied at school? (laughs) Amy, you've got got all these what-ifs out there. You're sitting there in the nursing home. Literally, I know. (laughs) Stanley getting bullied at school. But um, he's just, oh, I just love him so much. And, like, and I used to... When people used to put, like, love him so much about their kids on social media, I'd put, like, you know, we, we know you do. Like, you don't need to write it. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I love him so much. Like, just because he's just, oh, he's such a happy little boy. And I am I am so lucky. And there's, there's a meme that goes around, and it's like, um, a first birthday party shouldn't be for the baby. It should be for the mum. She's given up a year of her life. She's given up her body. She's had sleepless nights. She's had this. She's had that. And I read it out at a family dinner, and my mum went, "Yeah, no, I don't think you can. I don't think you can accuse Stanley of any of that." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, no, you're right, you're right." And my nans was like, "You know, your next one's not going to be like this, don't you?" <laughs> Slept through the night from seven weeks. Oh wow! But like eleven p.m. till like ten a.m. Oh my goodness! Um, he is. So he cries when he's hungry. He's a food monster. He cries when he's hungry, but as soon as you put the bottle in, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves, like, the only thing, like, weaning, I think we're up to, like, 54 foods. Um, the only thing he didn't like was scrambled eggs. Um, and, yeah, he's just, he's just happy. He's just, he's That's so the best. Cute. Happy babies are great. Yes. Um, can I ask you if you're still planning, because you said before that you were thinking with your the eggs that you froze. Yeah. That you would, um, the ones you didn't use, you would donate. Yes. Is that still something you're yes. thinking of? Yes. I think that's an amazing thing to say. And actually. lots of people say, oh, no, because what if you had a child? I'm like, it's not my baby. It's not my baby. Because I've had a lot of friends that have had babies with donor eggs. I'm like, okay, so woman from Instagram, do you want to come and tell my friend that baby that she carried 
for nine months and gave birth to and brings up isn't her child because it's not her egg. Like, no. Yeah. It's, and I, I find it it's so, it's so funny because if there's ever, like, you know, a step-parent in the media, if, they, if they're not fully involved, people are like, oh, they treat them differently because it's not their child and it's so awful and, you know, like, you should treat... It. And then as soon as it's like, oh, I want to donate my eggs, it's like, yeah, but this can be your child walking around. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were going, like, the kids that you bring up, the kids that are in your house, like, the kids that, like, mm. you look after are your kids. Yeah, but also when people have those comments, it's always about their own relationship with it. It's not really yeah. about you. Are they ever well, going to meet these, well, you know... Well, this is the thing. So Sam, I never thought about this, but Sam is... Um, the other thing he's made, he's so level-headed. So people slag me off all the time for having my mum as my childcare, right? Um, God, people will slag off anything. I know. Um, <laughs> I never see my child, obviously. I never, ever see him. Never, ever, 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 ever see Stanley. He doesn't even know who I am. Um, and because my mum has always got him. Always, 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 right? right? And I am like... And I get really annoyed. Because I'm like, that's not the case. Like, she literally has him when I work. And I always say, like... Yeah, it, no need to justify it to yeah, me. No. And, like, <laughs> I always say, like, to people, you know... Um, I was packing for holiday once. I said, I need to go home and pack. I've got three hours. Mum's got Stanley. And someone's like, I can't believe you've given your baby to your mum while you pack for holiday. And I'm like, well, the two options are he sits under his play mat while I pack or he goes to my mum's where he's got my mum, my dad, my best friend that lives with my mum and dad because he used to live with me and then I got pregnant so I had to kick him out so he went to my mum and dad's. Um, various family members that when they hear Stanley's there pop in, mm-hmm. he gets undivided detention and it takes me less time to pack. Um, But Sam's thing is, maybe the people that are complaining don't have any family support. And I'm like, you're right. Yeah, I think that's what it boils down to because I think that's the thing about your... the unit that you create is that you sort of feel like so long as everything is all right within that, like, other people will never know what it is like to walk in your shoes. Only you have your baby, you've got your... And if if everything is working and it's full of love and support, like, that's... That's what yeah, the way. That's exactly. the best way to bring up a baby if you can. Yeah, but going back to the donation thing, I definitely would because so many of my friends have had to use donor eggs, um, and luckily there was a bountiful bank of them. So brilliant. And I can't say to my friends, you know, have you thought about donor eggs? If I can't practice what I've preached and sort of, and also like, especially now I've got Stanley, and I'm like, oh my god, I want someone else to to have this. Oh, here, here to that. I think that's brilliant. I mean, have you got future plans or are you just kind of following your nose at the moment? Um, we're getting married next summer. Congratulations. Thank you. And <laughs> then I will have the coil put in after I had uh, Stanley. And uh, it's been the best thing ever. My skin is so clear. Um, and uh, also, I, I accidentally got pregnant. I spent 15 grand freezing my eggs and then got pregnant by accident. Um, so... I found out two weeks before my 30th birthday, the oh, wow. huge Mamma Mia-themed 30th birthday that I'd planned, <laughs> I'd spent so much money on, that, that I then so bad. couldn't drink. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm not being pregnant for my wedding. Um, no way. So I was like, right, what is the only way that I'm definitely doing? And they're like, right, put the coil in. So I'll have that out after our honeymoon um, and then try for another one. Amazing. When I said future plans, I thought you were going to be like, I'm going to keep lobbying the government. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I thought you meant with babies. Oh, yes. And also keep lobbying the government um, and That's keep good. going on lots of cruises and keep <laughs> keep travelling. Just just living, living for today. Um, I, we literally, again, like my other grandparents, not the ones that are still alive, my grandparents that sadly died, there's this beautiful picture of them on a cruise um, and six months, they were like 59. And six months later, my granny was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And their whole life turned on its head. And it was never the same again. And we have, all of us have got that picture in our houses. And I like, every time I look at that, I'm like, just do it. Just do it. Like, don't put off going on holiday. Don't put off doing this. Don't mm-hmm. put off doing that. Like, just do it. Well, it's served you well so far, Amy. It has. <laughs> <laughs> cheers to that. And cheers to your, what sounds like a very merry wedding next yeah. summer. <laughs> oh my God, yes, yes. <laughs> It's so nice to listen back to actually because I really enjoyed enjoyed talking to Amy and a few things really stayed with me. Not least the fact that she's not afraid to use her platform. And I, I don't know if you follow her on Instagram already, but I find her a really very clear voice and I really like her approach to things. And her baby's very sweet too and you see lots of him. So that was really fun. Plus it's, I've always wondered what it feels like to be picked up and twirled around by those types, you know, by a show like Love Island, those big juggernauts of a TV show that are 
you know, centre stage when they're televised and you've come at it from something, you know, another world like, you know, working air crew, uh, air cabin crew, like Amy did. And, uh, and suddenly you're in a whole new sphere and you've got to navigate it. But actually, I like the fact that Amy's like, actually, I really loved what I did when I was working with British Airways. I was really happy there. So, you know, she's in a different place, but she's got lots of fond memories of where she, what she was doing before and all the work that went with it. Um, sorry, I, am, I must confess, I'm a little bit distracted. I've basically, as I told you, I just got back from being away and now I've run into a private room to do this. And um, yeah, here we go. I'm about to be found. <sighs> it was too good to last. But I am happy to be home. I really miss the kids. And uh, it was time to return to normality and reality. But uh, oh, it's I do think spending a weekend with my mum and my siblings has been really special. Actually, you know, we've never done that before. We've never gone away, just the four of us like that. And it was really, really lovely. And everybody, it turns out, has got their own relationship with Paris because we're all lucky enough to have been there lots of times for, for work or for trips. And, you know, you get the train and it's so quick, isn't it, from London. But... Um, it meant that there were loads of places we all wanted to go to and lots of overlap at all. Hold on. Yes, Jesse? Jesse, just come in. you can come in. I'm just I'm just finishing saying something but and then we can. Been on there for three hours. Okay, sit down here. So can I go? In a minute, yes, you can. I'm gonna in take a minute. A, no, listen to what's gonna happen. I'm gonna take Mickey to bed. Okay? okay. Taking Mickey to bed. But I want him to go off now. I know. Listen, I finish this, I get Mickey off. What That's are you the doing? Plan. I'm just recording the outro okay. of my podcast. Mm. Can you remember what my podcast is about? No. <laughs> mm. No, wait, no, 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 no. Those are his. Don't touch them. Mickey, no, Mickey's got like a little secret stash of biscuits in his room. Biscuits and chocolates. Actually, what is such a fifth kid thing? Wait, never... how, many, how many is there? I know how many there are. There are seven Oreos left in that packet. Wait, are you sure? When he next has one, I'll ask him to give one to you. Do you remember he did last time? Okay, but it's not a Sunday night thing, Jesse, okay? Anyway, you don't need any part of this, I'm sorry. Um, mainly, thank you for listening. And, um, yeah, what have I got next week? Oh, I've got a really lovely one for you next week. So my, ne- my guest next week is a woman called Sophie Darlington, who is a wildlife camera woman. So she goes away for weeks on end, you know when you watch the footage and it'll be like, I don't know, a moment where a penguin looks after its baby on the ice and then waddles off and does something very interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not explaining this very well. <laughs> anyway, she's one of the people that we there with our camera, a long lens, waiting for the magic moment when, you know, the penguin does that thing. And she spent hours waiting for that thing to happen. I'm sure I have uh, reeled you in with that amazing description. But genuinely, what an incredible job. She does um, long lens wildlife uh, camera work. And I thought, how is that to go into that space and leave your family life behind while you go and film? So dot, dot, dot. Come back next week to hear from her. She's lovely. And thank you so much to Amy Hart for talking to me. And thank you to Richard for editing my podcast. And sorry, I'm so late with um, my, my, my introduction this week and my signing off this week. But I had my head turned by Gay Paris. And uh, what can I say? The city got to me. And um, thank you to Claire Jones for producing. Thank you to Ella May for your beautiful artwork. But mainly, of course, thank you to you for lending me your ears. I really appreciate it and it's good to have you and if you're new to the podcast perhaps you've stumbled into my podcast because you think who is the woman that does this song I've only just heard uh if that's what's happened because that does seem to have happened to some people that they have uh, just been introduced to me <laughs> just a funny idea after doing what I do for a long time anyway go and have a look there's loads of podcasts loads of interesting guests I want to say thank you to Jesse for being so beautifully quiet while I record Mwah, I love you and um yeah If you've been here for ages and you've been here before, thanks very much for coming again. Good to have you back. Thanks for your time. And I will speak to you again, hopefully, next week. Lots of love. Have a good one. Look after yourself. Bye-bye.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.